morning. This is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. Well, here we are at show 100. <laughs> I, know, I I don't know, man. It's weird. Century mark. Uh, I suppose that I probably should do something ultra special, but no, it's going to be your regular show. Uh, so that said, it is 8.41 a.m., May 24th, 2019, and this is episode 100 of Bitcoin And. And I got some uh, community uh, news for you going on here. Uh, I want to bring your attention to bitcoin-only.com. This is out of... Uh, 6102 Bitcoin on Twitter. Uh, says, it's a tweet that says, Your time is precious. Don't waste a second on shitcoins. Bookmark bitcoinonly.com. And if you go over to bitcoinonly.com, what you see is essentially uh, projects and resources which support Bitcoin, like actual Bitcoin. And it's there's a fair amount of uh, uh, subheadings on this. So it'd be like wallets, hardware, podcasts. Let's see who's on the podcasts. Uh, I don't think I'm on there. Yeah, TFTC21, Block Digest, Bitcoin Knowledge, uh, Bitcoin Echo Chamber, Reckless Review, Cryptoconomy, Stephen Levera, Noted, Bottom Shelf Bitcoin, Bitcoin Matters. Uh, so hopefully one of these days I'll get on there because I don't really talk about shit coins. But what, what else does this uh, website have on it? Uh, learning resources, uh, how to get Bitcoin, how to spend Bitcoin, uh, store tools, dev tools, conferences, meetups, privacy. So it's it's essentially a directory of, uh, it's a curated directory of, how to say it, uh, non-bullshit uh, and, and Bitcoin only, like actual Bitcoin. Uh, they don't talk about Bitcoin SV or BSV. They don't talk about Bcash. They don't talk about any shit coins. They don't direct you to anybody who uses shit coins, accepts shit coins. Um, I'm sure that at one point or another, things will, you know, things change with some of the people that, that may be on their list. And you might find that when they put them on their list, they were Bitcoin only and somehow or another turned into shit coiners. I don't know. It's possible. So give them a break because they're trying to do their best to make sure that you guys stay out of the weeds and that you're safe and only doing business with people who uh, are actual Bitcoiners. Second up for uh, announcements here is this is from Alex uh, Edelman from uh, Trilolly. He says, launching our Firefox extension for at Trilolly this week. Sign up to be notified. So Trilolly will be coming to the Firefox browser. I don't use it, but if any of you guys are still using Firefox, uh, Trilolly will be having uh, their extension on Firefox quite soon. Matt O'Dell says, tip or pay some anyone in sats across most social media platforms with bottle.li. An easy-to-use custodial 
Keep that in mind, people. It is custodial. An easy-to-use custodial Lightning wallet linked to your social media account or accounts of choice. Remember, not your keys, not your coins. Don't keep large amounts in custodial wallets. So uh, Bottle.li or Bottle.li is... um, Oh, is a way to tip like the whole uh, tipping me thing. And it's good that we have another entrant into the tipping space. And that happens to be bottle.li. So there you go, man. It's, there are people that are, uh, coming into the, you know, more people are coming into the space. That means more competition and competition is largely good. Uh, you, you know, companies push each other to do better. Um, and it's not true that just because bottle dot LI is here, that tip and me is all of a sudden defunct. Just keep it in mind, people keep it in mind that we need to have more and more and more of these companies. Uh, some of them doing the exact same thing, competing for the same space, uh, others branching out into different places. So now that pretty much going to do it for for your community announcements. Let's get into the news. This is out of CoinDesk. Uh, Nicholas Day on May twentieth. Yeah, I know, I know. This is going to be some old old stuff because I skipped out on Wednesday, and I guess I should apologize for that. I'm I'm sorry about not doing a Wednesday show, but man, it was my six year old's you know, kindergarten graduation. And for all of you people that are laughing about kindergarten, kindergarten graduation, you know, fine, that's your business. But as a parent, it's sort of graduating. You, you had a little kid and now you've got a kid. So in a way it was important and it was important for him and he enjoyed the shit out of it. So, you know, don't get too weirded out, but yeah. Um, I had I had to be there for him. That's why I didn't do a, a Wednesday show. And it it had the the graduation time happened to be like smack dab, like in the middle of when I would be cutting the thing. And, and I was like, well, you know what? I'm just gonna they'll understand. They'll understand. All right. So again, this is so some of this news is a little bit old, but it I feel the need to cover it. Uh, Nicholas Day on May 20th is writing, the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission has again delayed a decision on a Bitcoin exchange-traded fund proposal. In a new document filed Monday, the SEC said it was instituting proceedings on whether to approve or disapprove a proposed rule change that would allow the VanEck SolidX Bitcoin Trust to issue and list its shares. The regulator invited comments from the public due 21 days from when the order is published in the Federal Register and rebuttals to those comments due 35 days after such publication. The new deadline for the SEC to make a decision is August 19th, and it can delay one more time for a final deadline of October 18th, attorney Jake Chernevsky tweeted. Okay, so keep that in mind, guys. They've been delaying and delaying and delaying and delaying to the point that most of us just don't give a shit anymore. I haven't given a shit really for years. I just don't care. Um, I, I, I suppose that it would, you know, it, it could be important, but if they delay again, and I suspect that they will, uh, they at least have to make some kind of decision by October 18th. And I would suspect that that decision is going to be no. Okay. Um, and not because they have any real reason to do it other than, you know, protect the old guard. Uh, but I just, I don't know. They're, they're going to delay this thing into oblivion, and then they're probably going to say no. 
and then the entire thing will have to be taken up again by a refiling. And I'm absolutely certain that Van X will refile if they if on if on October 18th they say no, Van Eck, I guarantee you is gonna is gonna file again. They're not. No one's gonna let this ETF thing die. <clears throat> it's too important for too many people. I am not one of them. However, continuing on, the VanEck Solidex Bitcoin ETF was first filed last year with CBOE BZX, but was pulled in January due to a long-lasting government shutdown. The companies refiled the proposal later that month, shortly after Bitwise Asset Management filed its own ETF proposal with NYSE ARCA. The SEC has delayed making any decision on the two proposals so far this year, with the latest delay on Bitwise's proposal coming on May the 14th. <clears throat> the regulator uh, has yet to approve any Bitcoin ETFs in the U.S. and has so far either deferred making any decision or outright rejected proposals over the past few years. In the past, the SEC has cited concerns with market manipulation, liquidity, financial crime, and other issues as reasons for its rejection. So there you go. We got another one that's been rejected. This next one is out of CCN, and they have a tendency. CCN.com has a tendency to piss me off <laughs> when they talk about Bitcoin. But you know, they also cover stuff that other outlets actually don't. So here we go. And this is I'm presenting this to you here because I, I think there's you know a fair amount of stupid in this, but we'll soldier on. This is from Wes Messamore. Bitcoin price boom signals massive dystopian panic over 2019 recession, colon, analyst. (laughs) Good God. Okay, here we go. The sudden swell of Bitcoin's price to 8,000 USD this year shows global recession fears are mounting. No, it doesn't. I don't think that, I don't think you can actually point that way, but whatever. This, according to Michael Hartnett, the chief investment strategist at Bank of America, Merrill Lynch. Interestingly enough, Hartnett says global investors are investing in Bitcoin not because they see it as a safe haven asset in times of instability, but because they are seeking high-risk, high-reward investments. He argues the effect of low interest rates since 2008 on bond yields has left investors starved for profits, (laughs) sending them into a global greed trade. Oh, my God across corporate, emerging markets, and crypto securities. Hartnett says investors are afraid of losing their savings in an imminent recession and seeking high returns to shore up their wealth. If major global investors that used to invest in bonds, the safest assets in the world, have jumped ship to swim for Bitcoin, hyphen the Ponzi scheme currency of lunatics, hackers, scammers, criminals, misfits, and the hopelessly naive hyphen, how bad do the world's big players know things are? Terrifying. Okay, let's pause here for a second. This is one of the reasons why CCN has a tendency to piss me off because they have these nutbags on here that that are saying things that not only have they been debunked, right, several times over several years, and it, but it's just not this is not true. I mean, the U.S. dollar, I could say the exact same thing about the U.S. dollar, the Ponzi scheme currency of lunatics, hackers, scammers, criminals, misfits, and the hopelessly naive. I can make the exact same argument for the exact same reasons, except that Bitcoin has a tendency to be backed by, oh, I don't know, a massive industry 
a lots of energy, almost ultimate security. The dollar in any other fiat currency has none of that shit. Okay, so this dude is already off the rails. It, this probably should have been a train wreck, but no. <clears throat> Continuing, Bitcoin proponents should pause the victory lap for a moment and let it sink in how weird this is. Regular-ish, everyday-ish people with deep pockets who used to buy investments like bonds are now investing like all the fringe lunatics. That is a massive and very sudden collapse of confidence in the world's governments and the basic structure of the financial system. This could be some fall of the Roman Empire level phenomena unfolding before our very eyes in real time. Earlier this year, John Norman, JPM's head of cross-asset fundamental strategy, said in a research note, quote, We have long been skeptical of cryptocurrencies' values in most environments other than a dystopian one characterized by a loss of faith in all major reserve assets, dollar, euro, yen, gold, and in the payment system. Dystopia is the mother of invention. Well, Bitcoin's value is clearly very high. A tsunami of investors have now joined the early adopters in hoarding the digital asset like it's running out, which it is. So by this J.P. Morgan head's reasoning, the escalating U.S.-China trade war, among other global macro trends, has pushed the economic environment to the brink of dystopia. And now a Bank of America chief is saying investors are losing faith in government and the financial establishment. But no one needed a big chief bank to tell us they're flipping their guts over what the establishment's doing to their money right now. Bitcoin's early adopters know how afraid of Bitcoin the rest of the world was. Weird, weird. Uh, okay, that's just, there's, I don't know, the tone, it's almost like it's a troll piece. Uh, honestly, this is more like a troll piece. So, you know, I don't, it's it's actually kind of hard to tell where Wes is, you know, the, the author's uh, first name is Wes. It's hard to see where Wes is coming in on this because, you know, it it looks like he's calling it, like a big Ponzi scheme used by us lunatics and, and what do you say? Endlessly naive, but then understanding that what he's saying in this last paragraph is actually true. We're losing faith in government and the financial establishment. And, and, and it's like it, what, and what they've been doing to our money over the last 70 years is like, I don't know. Like I said, it's kind of confusing, but this is, you know, I'm just going to uh, put this up as another hit, another hit piece gone wrong uh, on Bitcoin. So, uh, and speaking of wrong, here's one from decryptmedia.com. Guillermo, Guillermo Jimenez writes, what 60 Minutes got wrong about Bitcoin. And if you guys don't, you know, I'm sure y'all, y'all have already seen the 60 Minutes piece. I have actually not watched it. Um, because it's not going to, it's pretty much not going to tell me anything that I don't already know, but we'll give it a go. Bitcoin is having itself a moment again, bouncing back from the depths of crypto winter and now hovering around nearly 8,000 per coin. The King of crypto got itself 15 minutes of solid exposure on primetime network television over the weekend. The CBS 60-minute segment, Bitcoin's Wild Ride, which aired last night, surprisingly, a mostly positive and accurate portrayal, even if simplified and condensed for a TV audience. But it's cynical jabs at the guy who spent $800 million in Bitcoin on pizza, low-hanging fruit though it may be, badly missed the point. 
The Wild Ride, as chronicled by CBS, mostly focused on early Bitcoin pioneer Charlie Shrim, the ups and downs of his crypto enterprises and troubles with the law, having recently escaped a costly lawsuit from former business partners Cameron and Tyler Winklevoss. Shrim hasn't done much media as of late, so hearing him recount his triumphs and travails was illuminating. Anderson Cooper, who hosted the the segment for 60 Minutes, also spent a fair amount of time explaining the Bitcoin basics for the millions of normies, no doubt hearing the words cryptocurrency and blockchain for the very first time. Cooper even brings a it brings in Niha Narul, director of the Digital Currency Initiative at the MIT Media Lab, to lend her bona fides and balance the segment with equal parts of enthusiasm and skepticism of digital money. Cryptocurrencies could one day be as ubiquitous as email, or they could flame out and die. Quote, it could really go either way, Narul concludes. The fact that it wasn't the hit piece that the crypto community expected, prone to fits of paranoia, paranoia as we are, led to a glowing review. Quote, best MSM coverage of Bitcoin I've ever seen, said Grant Golovson, a crypto-focused attorney on Twitter. Quote, when you consider another segment was about a $230 billion money laundering operation that involved no cryptocurrency at all, just banks, it makes you think there's a big Bitcoin fan working at CBS. The primetime special was so Bitcoin positive, in fact, that it also caused libertarian-leaning gold bugs like Peter Schiff to say the whole thing played more like an infomercial than journalism. And the quote, they're talking about this tweet from Peter Schiff that says, 60 Minutes just aired a free commercial on Bitcoin. Great press for Bitcoin owners looking to sell to CBS viewers who may be suckered into buying based on this very one-sided segment. At a minimum, CBS owed its audience a healthy degree of skepticism. Very bad reporting as usual. I swear to God that sounds like Trump. That The way that Trump talks is very bad reporting as usual. It sounds exactly like Trump. But, you know, I don't know. I can't just totally bag on Peter all the time, but this is pretty stupid. Although Peter has some, you know, him and Saif, uh, Saifedean uh, had a, a debate. And, uh, you know, even even Saifedean saying, look, man, this is a guy that I learned a lot from and he's got a huge amount of respect for him. So, you know, and, and Peter's been around for a long time. It's not like he doesn't know what he's talking about, but his gold is being attacked by Bitcoin. So he's going into he's going to go into defense mode and anybody would. I mean, we go into defense mode all the freaking time. OK, so, you know, can't really just bag on him. Continuing, but it was Cooper's interview with Laszlo Han- uh Hanyek's, the man who famously paid 10,000 Bitcoin for two Papa John's pizzas in 2010 that ruffled a few feathers. While acknowledging that Hanyek's purchase was the first real-world transaction involving cryptocurrency, Cooper couldn't avoid going for the cheap laughs. (laughs) Quote, so, okay, sorry, let me get this straight. You spent about $800 million on pizza. LOL, almost as dumb as selling Manhattan for $24 worth of trinkets, right? God, man, that's just mean. <clears throat> Quote, are, are are there nights that you wake up like in cold sweat where you think I could have had $800 million if I hadn't have bought those pizzas? Hanix didn't get a chance to answer save for a rightly edited thinking like that is not really good for me comment. So we'll take the liberty of doing it for him. This kind of revisionist history, back to the future style alterations of the space-time continuum that end with regaining riches once lost, doesn't work and badly misses the point. Agreed. Hanix was the first 
GP was the world's first Bitcoin GPU miner. And while 10,000 Bitcoins is obviously a lot of scratch today, they were really or nearly worthless at the time he made the transaction. In fact, an argument could be made that Bitcoin is only worth what it's worth today because of Hainik's pizza transaction. The early Bitcoiners, including Gavin Andreessen and his and with his faucet that distributed coins and traded them for trinkets, were absolutely critical in dispensing them adequately. Castle Island Ventures Ventures partner Nick Carter tweeted in response. Those costly sales should be celebrated, not sneered at. Indeed, making Bitcoin real to ordinary people, as Cooper himself recognizes earlier in the segment, was a crucial step in its evolution. Without those pizzas, it's entirely possible that the Bitcoin butterfly doesn't flap its wing in quite the same way, and we don't end up with nearly $140 billion market cap on the other side of nine years. And that's the end of that one, and I wholeheartedly agree. Without that pizza buy... And the other th- and the other things that have been done, you know, I've been reading lots of tweets in response, you know, lo- lots of like little snippets here and there, people talking in discord groups and telegram groups. And all of them are basically just, you know, howling at, you know, howling at this because it's just, it's, it is stupid. You know, without these purchases, we don't know where we'd be. We can't say without those purchases that we wouldn't be here anyway. We don't know that the the revisionist history is is uh, comment there is spot on because there is no sense in going back in time and, and like you know trying to tease apart what would have happened. It's it is at best a waste of time, a silly endeavor, and should never ever ever be performed by anyone. Moving on to another one, Coindesk.com has Daniel Palmer writing on May 21st about Game of Thrones actor Jerome Flynn to advise a vegan crypto project. Oh, man. Jerome Flynn, the actor who plays Braun in the hugely popular TV series Game of Thrones, has joined the advisory board of a vegan lifestyle project, project that has launched its own crypto token. Called Vegan Nation, the Israeli-based project is building what it describes as a fully functioning ecosystem that will support vegans via a platform enabling the exchange of products and services that are 100% cruelty-free. Flynn said in a press release provided to Coindesk, quote, Vegan Nation is the basis of an international vegan economy that makes vegan lives simpler, more economical, and better for the earth and the soul of each of us. Vegan coin will allow... (laughs) Oh, man. You know, I probably should do more editing, but I'm, you know... No, it's just not truthful. I run across shit like vegan coin and it always is going to make me gag. So whatever. Vegan coin will allow many more to become vegans and thereby contribute to the reduction of our ecological footprint. Man, this is horrible. As part of the planned decentralized vegan economy, in quotes, Vegan Nation is launching a traceable digital currency called Vegan Coin. The token went on pre-sale at the end of April with 10% of the proceeds to go to incentivize its ecosystem validators or, quote, rangers and community, according to the Vegan Nation Green Paper. (laughs) This is almost impossible to read. Oh, God. Vegan Nation ultimately aims to attack, track the origin of foods 
or products on its platform and authenticate whether they are 100% vegan and cruelty-free. Services will also include a product marketplace, online social platform, and an app for iOS and Android. Flynn has been a vegetarian for the past 35 years and vegan for the last five. He is an animal rights activist who serves as patron of the Vegetarian Society in the UK alongside Paul and Stella McCartney. Mm. Mm. Okay, man, that was, ah, sorry guys, that was difficult to get through, but it's just too silly. And one of the reasons why it's silly is you, this isn't going, this isn't going to work the way that they, that they think it works unless they already know that this is sort of kind of scammy. And the reason I, I mean, their, their hearts may be in the, in, in absolutely the, the right place. I mean, I'm not vegan. I'm never going to be vegan. I'm not vegetarian. I don't, I, I, I don't think it's healthy, but if you are, you can do whatever the hell you want. Just don't push it on me. Although with this thing, the whole attaching products to a token on a blockchain is freaking ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. Unless I, unless I can go all Tron, if you've ever seen the original movie where the laser kind of erases the, the orange, and I could put that on the blockchain as long as I could get the orange back out of its digital format, but that's never going to happen unless we get teleporters from freaking Star Trek. Otherwise, this, these things are 100% dependent on human beings entering the information into, you guessed it, a giant database. Okay. I having a blockchain anywhere close to this is just stupid and a waste of time and is clout seeking because they're just trying to attach themselves to Bitcoin in, in a way that, that I don't know, somehow or another validates this ridiculous idea, but there you have it. Uh, the curious case of Ethereum's missing warrant canary. I found, I, I, I am not an Ethereum fan clearly, but I do find this fascinating. This is a Mitchell Moose out of Crypto Slate, and he's writing this May 21st, 2019. Previously, Ethereum.org featured a peculiar yellow canary on the footer of its website. The easily overlooked avian emblem served as an served an important purpose until it went missing. On April 30th, Ethereum.org was overhauled with a new minimalist design. As part of the update, the Ethereum Foundation's canary has gone missing. There was no ordinary song. This was no ordinary songbird. To understand its function, it's important to be aware of secret subpoenas which compel testimony or the production of evidence in court and have criminal penalties if disclosed. Hmm. However, clever information providers can circumvent legal repercussions by signaling to people when they haven't been served with a subpoena. The warrant canary on the Ethereum website previously warned users when the foundation is served with one of those subpoenas, which may put the organization's sensitive information at risk. The bird, on closer inspection, says, quote, The Ethereum Foundation, Stiftung Ethereum, has... <laughs> What stiff tongue? St okay, stiff tongue Ethereum has never been contacted by any agency anywhere in the world and in a way which required that contact not be disclosed. Stiff tongue Ethereum will publicly disclose any sort of inquiry from government agencies that falls outside the scope of regular business operations. 
The removal of the warrant canary sparked rumors that the foundation was recently served with a warrant and that folding it into the website revamp would make the change more discreet. However, Alex Vandersand, Vandesand, an Ethereum UX designer who implemented the original canary, suggested the removal was likely accidental. So make of it what you want. But I had totally forgotten about that whole warrant canary. Um, I always find stuff like that. You know, being able to signal in full view, in full public view, but not actually uh, do it in a way that anybody can pin down, I think is kind of interesting because, oh, the removal of the canary was was clearly accidental, even if coincidental, let's say if they got a warrant, right? Oh, sorry about that. Well, you know, it was clearly an accident, you know, and or and it was clearly coincidental, you know, that's just an easy, I don't know. There's something about that that I really, really, really love. Uh, where are we going here? Do, do, do. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, New York Post. This was, oh, who is this dude? John Crudell on May the 20th, 2019 at 9.30 p.m. wrote, quote, unquote, a column, Bitcoin will soon be worth zero. And I, I just wonder how many people read this thing because everybody was like, was flying around the Twitterverse and all other places. People were just pointing, pointing and laughing. But when I actually went to the thing is when I got the most lulls that I've had in a long time, I'm going to read you this entire column. I wrote in my last column that Bitcoin is that Bitcoin is really a Bitcoin. I've been telling you this since the price of this investment collapsed from around 20000 to 4000 last year. Mario Draghi, head of the European Central Bank, echoed a similar view last week but didn't do it quite as colorfully. Last Thursday night, Bitcoin crashed to about by, by about 1000 to around 7000 Bitcoin will soon be worth zero, but until then, criminals will still be able to use it and other digital currency to move money around the world without being caught. That's it, y'all. That's the column. In fact, the picture that they have for the the lead or whatever, the lead picture, is twice as big as the column itself. It's like they're not even trying anymore. It's, It's like you can barely muster enough energy to write, literally, guys, that column consists of four full sentences. Not paragraphs, not sections, Sentences. Well, wait a minute. No, no. Okay. Five. There, there's, there's five, five full sentences here. Uh, you know, if you're going to bag on, if you're going to bag on something, man, at least put in the effort. My God almighty. I mean, even CCN for as much as they piss me off, you know, puts more effort into saying, you know, crap about Bitcoin. And let's see if they say crap about Bitcoin in this one. This is from Joseph Young, so this is probably going to be a little bit better. Uh, Owning Bitcoin illegal despite government trading ban, says Bank of China Council. Oh, nice. Okay, so this was uh, the 22nd of May. According to Sa Zhao, a council member of the Bank of China's Law Research Association, it is legal for individuals to own Bitcoin in China despite the government's blanket ban on trading. CN Ledger 
a recognized crypto news source based in China said, quote, it is legal to own Bitcoins in China. Uh, uh, Hold on. It is legal to own Bitcoins in China, says Sa Zhao, council member at Bank of China Law Research Association, cited by the Beijing News. Besides, Zhao considers the occasional exchange of Bitcoins between individuals and between individual and individual legal. In September 2017, Cakeson, a Beijing-based mainstream media outlet, reported that China officially banned crypto trading, forcing exchanges like OKCoin, Huobi, and BTC China to close down operations in China. To this date, crypto trading remains strictly prohibited in China. In August 2018, the government of China tightened its ban on over-the-counter trading by requesting Alipay, the most widely used fintech application in the global market, to crack down on over-the-counter Bitcoin trading. Bank of China Council member Sazao further emphasized it is highly risky for a company to run a Bitcoin trading business in China. If it causes losses for potential customers, it may face serious consequences, including punishment under criminal law. For instance, local publications reported in recent months that it took, that more than 100 users were scammed out of nearly 56 million in China after an individual took thousands of Bitcoin from investors and promised large profits in return. Uh, quote, the Beijing News reported a case which involves 100 plus users who were scammed of 7,000 BTC. The scammer claimed they would borrow users' BTC to arbitrage between exchanges and deposit profits back to the users. However, scammers disa- scammer di- the scammer disappeared after users' large last large deposit, CN Ledger explained. While trading remains strictly prohibited, the ownership of Bitcoin, which is considered property or a commodity in the major markets, is still legal. Zhao stated that even occasional peer-to-peer trading can be recognized as one of the rights of ownership and may not be punishable under law. CN Ledger added, Zhao's views were based on the current legal framework, which protects people's rights of virtual properties, Bitcoin included. Occasional P2P trading of Bitcoin are in nature disposition right, one of the rights of ownership. Therefore, owning an occasional P2P trading is legal. As such, in August 2018, SCMP reported that crypto traders in China were finding ways to circumvent the strict ban on Bitcoin trading imposed by Chinese third authorities. Quote, industry observers are certain that Chinese investors will always find a way to circumvent increasingly tightening controls over cryptocurrency trading by mainland authorities, making it practically impossible to ever impose a complete shutdown on trading. <laughs> While the government can make it increasingly difficult for businesses to facilitate trading, it is virtually impossible to crack down on individuals holding Bitcoin or other cryptocurrencies. The Chinese government has, in essence, banned every area of the crypto market that can be banned, such as trading, a regulatory approach that uh, opposes that of opposes that of Japan and other major markets. Recently, an agency under the Chinese government suggested a complete ban on Bitcoin mining, possibly in an attempt to restructure the crypto market to the country's favor. I don't know how that would work. Jihan Chu, a managing partner at Kinetic, said, quote, the NDRC's move is in line overall with China's desire to control different layers of the rapidly growing crypto industry and does not yet signal a major shift in policy. I believe China simply wants to reboot the crypto industry into one 
one that they have oversight on, the same approach they took with the Internet. There are no signs that China intends to ease its pressure on the crypto sector, and trading is likely to remain banned in the near term. But owning Bitcoin and other crypto assets is not prohibited as of now. So, Joseph Young, thank you for not bagging on on Bitcoin. Uh, Let's see here. Markets Insider. Uh, markets.businessinsider.com. It has this from, uh, I think it's Theron Mohammed, uh, writing May 24th. That is today. Facebook held talks with Mark Zuckerberg's arch Zuckerberg's arch rivals, the Winklevi for a partnership on the company's new cryptocurrency. My God, could you imagine? Because Mark basically, if you don't know the story, man, I mean, the Winklevi sued Mark, uh, over the creation of Facebook, uh, saying that they had that they were like kind of like co-developers or, or or co-investors or I can't remember exactly what their role was, but their argument was no no no, no it wasn't all it wasn't all Mark uh, and they and they won, Mark had to pay out big time, um, and that's why the Winklevi have as much money as they do because they got it from Mark because Mark basically screwed them, um, so why in how on earth you can go back and sit in a room with somebody who did you wrong and they sued you for it. I don't know, man. There's just, there's a weird dynamic with these kinds of people that I am never, ever going to understand. Cause there's no, I mean, I would just be like going, I don't ever want to talk to the dude. I, I, I took the dude's money. He, he wronged me and my brother, we took the dude's money. We're rich as not. If I got a call, if I was the, any one of the Winklevine, I got a call from Mark, I wouldn't even answer it. It just wouldn't even happen. I, it's just, this is sick. Okay, so Mark Zuckerberg may be ready to forgive the Winklevi, the Winklevi who sued him for stealing their idea of a social network. Representatives from Facebook and the pair's Gemini cryptocurrency exchange have held talks about the social media's media giant's planned digital coin, according to the Financial Times. Cameron and Tyler Winklevoss, classmates of Facebook founder and CEO Mark Zuckerberg at Harvard University, became billionaires after investing in Bitcoin. They also founded Gemini, which secured approval from New York regulators last year to launch the Gemini dollar a digital currency pegged to the U.S. dollar. Facebook has been working for more than a year to create a currency that its 2 billion users can use to transfer money and make... Sorry. And make virtual and real purchases, the FT reported. The company has discussed the secretive initiative, codenamed Project Libra, with dozens of financial firms and online merchants, including Visa, MasterCard, and payment processor first data, according to the Wall Street Journal. The social media giant has met with Jump and DRW, Chicago's largest high-frequency trading firms, as well as cryptocurrency exchanges, including Coinbase and Gemini, according to the Financial Times. It is probably assembling the partners and digital infrastructure needed for its users to safely store their digital coins, exchange them for other cryptocurrencies or conventional currencies, and make payments. Facebook is working on virtual on a virtual checkout that would allow users to pay with its own coin with its coin across the internet according to the journal it's also exploring ways to reward users with fractions of coins for watching adverts engaging with content and making purchases the newspaper reported the prospect of a Facebook coin lifted cryptocurrencies on Friday 
Bitcoin climbed 5% to around 7,960, while Ethereum and Bitcoin or Bcash jumped about 7% and Litecoin surged 11%. I don't think that's, I, sorry, I don't think that's why. I think it's something else, but uh, we, we don't know, although we are about to get into the vitals, so that'll do it for your market roundup. BitInfoCharts.com is the source of your vital statistics. So Bitcoin is at an average of 7,978, with the high going to be at Bitfinex at 8,002. The low side is going to be over at, looks like it's going to be right BTC at 7,933. 362,000 transactions took place over the last 24 hours with an average transaction or average transactions per hour of 15,090. 1.4 million BTC has been sent over the last 24 hours. And let's just, if you're new, that means essentially that $11.5 billion in USD were transacted on the Bitcoin network in the last 24 hours. Average per hour was 60,000 BTC. Average transaction value was 3.97 BTC and the median transaction value is 0.036 or about 300 bucks. Block time's a bit low at 9 minutes and 28 seconds and it looks like 1.17 BTC are being taken on a uh, as fees on a per block basis and 173 BTC have been awarded in fees over the last 24 hours. Uh, we've lost 8.69% of the hash rate in the last 24 hours, but we are still above 50 exahashes per second with 51.54. The last GitHub commit was yesterday. Okay, cool. Left to right is Ethereum at 250, Bcash at 412, Litecoin at 98, BSV at 98. Wow. Parody. Cool. Um, Ethereum Classic is seven, God, seven bucks, seven, uh, seven and a quarter. Doge is back up to 0.003 USD. And with 42,000 transactions over the last 24 hours, it's lit, knocking the snot out of BSV at 33,000 and is kind of catching up on the heels of uh, Bcash's 48,000 transactions made over the last 24 hours. That's going to do it for your vital statistics. Let's hear what Marty Bent has to say. Uh, Tuesday, May the 21st, 2019, that was going to be issue number 488 of Marty's Bent. And he's got a picture of the Bitcoin clock one year out. According to some estimation tools, we are exactly one year away from the next Bitcoin block reward having. At block 630,000, the reward miners currently receive for adding a block to the tip of the chain will be slashed from 12.5 BTC to 6.25 BTC, making the mad dash for these scarce digital tokens even more frantic and competitive. Now, in an effort to be semantically correct, I must note that this estimate is in no way perfect. Depending on the amount of hash rate that enters leaves the network and how the difficulty adjusts in reaction to those inflows and outflows, we could hit 
hit Block 630 before or after May 20th, 2020. Regardless, we know that the halving will be occurring around this time next year. Between now and then, 667,200 Bitcoins will be mined, north of $5 billion worth at the current prices. Not that much capital needed to scoop those freshly minted coins when you think about it, especially during a time when trade wars are heating up between the U.S. and China, which may send capital fleeing for safety. A question that gets beat to death in Bitcoin echo chambers is, Quote, is the having priced in? End quote. Uncle Marty is a believer that no, they are not. There is no way the having can be fully priced in yet because most people do not understand Bitcoin, let alone the reward having mechanism that exists within it. Most, pe- most people don't understand the abruptness of a Bitcoin having until they live through such an event. It seems to me that it <clears throat> is at that point where the market of people paying attention to Bitcoin becomes very aware of Bitcoin's brutal distribution model and begins to price in the supply shock. What do you freaks think? Final thought, Memorial Day weekend brings back fond memories of underage drinking and the bliss of youthful ignorance. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, yeah, the priced in thing. I remember going through this. The My first having was the last one. And I remember all that talk. And I, I, I did not understand, you know, I mean, I still, I'm never going to fully understand what Bitcoin actually is. I think it's a lot bigger than most people than most people think. And I think people that say, yeah, man, I got this. I know exactly what's going on. I think they're full of shit. I think even the core developers, I've said this before, I think even the core developers, if, if they were to be brutally honest with themselves and anybody who was asking the question, can you tell me what Bitcoin is, would basically have to say the same thing, that they're like, well, I know like all the mechanisms that are involved, but what Bitcoin is is a much larger question. But, I, uh, but you know, even with the, the having that I went through, I, I, you know, at the time I didn't under, it's not that I didn't understand what the having was. It's easy to understand what it is. It's impossible to understand its effects until, like Marty's saying here, you kind of live through one. But I really, you know, it was like, I saw, the, you know, I went through the happening and I was like, okay, woohoo, we're we're here, yay! And I didn't see much change because it didn't. It it was a while after that that you get that that huge run up in 2017, and you know, so it's I don't know. I think it's kind of impossible to say if something's priced in or not. Um, I'm gonna kind of be with with Marty on this, but in a different in a different way. There's so much shit we don't know. That's not priced in. I mean, think about that for a second. If if we have a good ha- handle on the situation of the ha- happening and what it is, and it's not priced in, think about all the shit that's not priced in because we don't even know it exists. There's three kinds of knowledge. There's the shit you know you know, the shit you know you don't know, and the shit you don't know you don't know. And that third one is the one that gets people killed. It's the third one. The second one, uh, there's shit you know that you don't know. That generates education. The first one generates hubris, okay? But the last one, shit you don't know you don't know, is very dangerous indeed. So the amount of stuff that's not priced in because we don't know of its existence is kind of a fascinating thought experiment for me. But anyway, Dad's going to do it for Marty's Bent.
got a song for you. It's from Journey. And no, no, it's not the famous, they're like one of their most famous songs. It's another one from the Escape album. And that album, I got to tell you, man, I think that the Escape album is Journey's very best album. Uh, it was it was an album that was, it was their first studio album after their Captured tour. And when they were on their Captured tour, whoa, man, that was a big tour. They were they, they were at the top of their game, you know. When 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 captured came when that when they were doing that tour, every stadium that they went to was sold out. They were everywhere on the radio. You couldn't get away from them. And all, and then that was actually kind of the tour. One of the tours that uh, started <clears throat> Steve Perry, their lead singer, to start thinking about wanting to slow down. Um, <clears throat> I won't get into the whole thing about it, but the whole reason that Journey doesn't have Steve Perry essentially came down to the fact that he just wanted to not tour like every single freaking year. And there are some bands that that have done that. Uh, Rush is really famous, and The Grateful Dead, I think they were always on tour. They were never home. And you know, Steve was kind of like, oh, you know, I got lots of money. We make lots of music. I, I would like to be home. And basically he kind of fired him. He either got fired or fired himself or quit. And then he went on solo and, 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 uh, had a really great solo run and they've never been able to get back together, which is a freaking shame. Uh, cause th- that would be epic for any of the old school guys that actually understand what I'm talking about. Wouldn't that be epic in either event? Uh, for your Friday's a song AF, we're gonna do Stone in Love. Those crazy nights I do remember in my youth. I do recall those were the best times.
Okay, you're going to get a twofer for today's daily train wreck. Um, I just, I just couldn't help myself. Uh, so I haven't talked at all or covered at all what I. You guys are probably going. Why didn't he say anything about Craig Wright and the copyright thing? Because it's all bullshit. And but this is the kind of reaction that uh, his uh, army was uh, putting out that day on uh, that day on those days on Twitter. Uh, which you know was just a couple of days ago, but it already seems like it's it's been over for a year. But this this idiot MetaNet chat at MetaNet chat, and I'm not even going to tell you what MetaNet is. If you want to go find out, go Google MetaNet and, and BSV. But he's clearly, I mean, it's a BSV shill. He writes, copyright is the original proof of work that ensured the inventor can claim ownership over and reap rewards from the invention. As of today, apart from BSV and other blockchain, which make use of Bitcoin technology or code are considered counterfeit and illegal. But the smoldering pile doesn't stop there. This guy keeps on going. Oh, man, it's just so sad. This is a chain of tweets. Knowingly building technology or services on top of counterfeit platforms, blockchains, make your company complicit and in violation of such law. Next up are trademarks based on counterfeit blockchains which violate the copyright. Bitcoin.com, Bitcoin.org. Miners providing hash power to counterfeit blockchains are like cedars and trackers of BitTorrent hosting the latest Hollywood movies illegal. They empower and enable counterfeit counterfeit blockchains and can expect to receive similar notices such as the DMCA. The DMCA, quote, criminalizes production and dissemination of technology, devices, or services intended to circumvent measures that control access to copyrighted works. Mining counterfeit chains does exactly this. It circumvents copyright by not mining on the BSV chain. By not mining on the B. This is so hard to read, y'all. I'm doing this for y'all, but you got to understand having to read some of this crap is just amazing. Okay. This, okay. Now the genius is last tweet. This perhaps is the real reason why other chains push to layer two systems since they are not protected by this copyright. They knew this was coming. Okay. So there's not much to say about it. It's a train wrecked. Um, it, it's a complete and total, it's, it's like, I don't know what it's like, quite frankly. it's clear He's clearly wrong, um, and I'm not going to get into the copyright thing past that. Um, but be that as it may, be aware that uh, garbage like this exists, and you're going to get fudded with it from now until, I don't know, what whatever, whenever time that, that Craig just ceases to be relevant. But anyway, um, but here's your, here's your second train wreck or sorry, here's your second daily train wreck of the day. Uh, just Sinovation Ventures alone, uh, not counting the rest of the industry, our AI investments have, we already have five unicorns. I'm not even sure if there are five unicorns in AI in Silicon Valley. And these companies are worth $21 billion with, uh, one of them about to go public. 
and that's just our investment. Totally, there are probably about 15 unicorns in China. This is just in AI, not pure AI companies. Note here that I didn't count uh, you know, other companies that used AI. These are core, pure, 100% AI companies. So our, our buddy uh, BTC King 555 is the one that, that uh, turned me on to this in a tweet that he made uh, this morning at about 7.05 Central Daylight Time. He says, a friend attended at Kaifuli Prez on AI in at Berkeley Haas, H-A-A-S. Sad to see mainland China, quote, unquote, father of AI and head of Sinovation VC lie in front of an audience about Bitmain. Watch from 1320 when referring to Bitmain. These are pure core 100% AI companies. BTC King has a second uh, second one down here that says, uh, Dr. Kai Fu Li, please do due diligence before presenting to esteemed audience. Bitmain revenues from AI are close to zero. Vast majority of its profits are derived from cryptocurrency. We passed on the investment last year. Your fund did not. Hope you didn't think or hope you didn't invest thinking it was AI. Uh so that's the train wreck part is that when that when that guy this that's the section that BTC King is is five 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 is uh mentioning that I played for you. Um he's in front of a room full of inve- potential investors shilling uh his VC fund and talking about what he has, you know, what they have in their portfolio and Bitmain's uh company logo is on the screen behind him along with four other uh quote unquote unicorn companies. And for those of you who don't know, I mean, Bitmain was yammering on a couple of years, started yammering on a couple of years ago about going in uh, the direction of artificial intelligence. And and they did, kind of, but as BTC King points out, their revenues on anything related to their AI business is close to near zero. It's If, if there's anything there, it's all in research phase. They haven't released any products. Um, so it, it, the whole idea of it being 100% pure core AI companies is a blatant lie. It's blatant lie. They manufacture miners. They've been a manufacturer of miners for years. So train wrecks everywhere, smoldering piles, just like litter, you know, littering the ground outside all over the place lately. So anyway, but that's your daily train wrecked. Satoshi's treasure uh, is not about Satoshi's treasure per se. This is kind of, I'm kind of like, want to give a huge shout out to the guys over at LN underscore pizza. That's at LN underscore pizza on Twitter. They write, and this was yesterday, the Bitcoin pizza day, the Bitcoin pizza day treasure hunt begins. Three pizzas ready in 30 minutes at 10654 Colonial Boulevard, Suite 1, Fort Myers, Florida, 33913. Claim it under the name Satoshi Nakamoto. So anyway, what they were doing is they were basically doing a pizza drop in honor of Bitcoin Pizza Day. And they were literally just buying pizzas for anybody who wanted to, who wanted to be the first. If you were the first one at whatever Domino's address that they gave and you gave the name Satoshi Nakamoto, um, 
you got the pizzas. It was, it's a thing of beauty when you think about it, because there, I started thinking about like going, you know, this is great, but I'm like going, what could be the potential benefit of, of doing this other than, you know, shilling your own, your own service. And it, it dawned on me that every single person who went to go pick up these pizzas had this engagement with whoever was handing the pizzas over when they said, I am Satoshi Nakamoto. I got to tell you guys over at LN Pizza, man, that's a brilliant, that was brilliant. And I just, I love it when people do like interesting, taking marketing and advertising and taking it in interesting and new, you know, new ways. And I got to tell you, man, red pilling, you know, at the employee level of a major pizza conglomerate like, like Domino's, man, that was beautiful. Thank you. That was beautiful. Terrible Joke Corner brought to you by Bad Joke Cat. Yeah, I know, I know. But I ran across this one and just, I had to do it because he's such a racist cat. What do you call a dodgy neighborhood in Italy? A spaghetto. Not only is it a bad joke, it's completely racist, which is one of the reasons it's actually kind of funny. And it's not really racist. I mean, come on. We got to have some kind of fun, right? I mean, what? you guys are just way too serious. All right, boys and girls, I'm out. We're done. Uh, today is the last day of school for my kids, so things are probably going to change. I'm still absolutely freaking clueless how I'm going to be pulling this off with two kids at home over the summer, uh, but I'm excited for them uh, being, you know, because being a, a kid in school, one of the best things that ever happened was, you know, summer. I mean, I loved it. I always enjoyed my summer vacation. So I'm going to be having, having the kiddos at home. Uh, and we'll, we'll see how this goes. Otherwise I uh, suppose it's Memorial day weekend. So, uh, I, if I don't barbecue, uh, then there's something wrong with me. And if you guys, you know, don't barbecue over Memorial day weekend, cause this is, this is opening day of barbecuing. Okay. For, for the United States, at least, uh, it's opening day for barbecuing. Go clean up your grill. Go get a slab of meat and screw vegan coin. I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.